0: Our theme for this evening and for the coming year is this word hope. Amen. And you will hear a bunch of uh, talk about hope today because I realize that there's a lot of stuff going on in this world where hopelessness has creeped in. And I've learned that you can live, you can go without food for weeks, without water for days, without a breath for minutes, but you cannot live life without hope. In the midst of everything that's going on in the last three or four years, we've had tremendous amount of mass shootings, so much that it's become norm for us. But in the midst of all this, fueled by social media, a couple of years ago, the front page of the Daily News ran this headline, God isn't going to fix this. I don't know how many of you saw that. They were wrong. Yeah. They turned it into a platform in which Republicans and Democrats began to argue because the Republicans were saying, we need to pray more often. And Democrats were saying, no, we need to pass some gun laws. Wow. I think the Republicans were hiding behind their indecisiveness using prayer as an excuse. You see, when you know God, you trust God. Yeah. Okay. When you know God, You wait on God. And the Bible tells me that we need to pray without ceasing. So for you to tell me not to pray, you want me to sin. And I don't want to do that. But I want you to know something, that we can't say something like God isn't going to fix this if you have a relationship with God. See, slowly but surely what has happened is that we moved away from God. And the more that we move away from God, the more hopeless we become. And the reason we become hopeless is because in the midst of chaos, we find ourselves reaching and grasping for things that cannot necessarily satisfy what we have. That's the article there. Daily News ran it. And I'm saying, can God fix it? Can God fix you? Can God fix the situation you find yourself in? Is anything impossible for God? So in the midst of that, though, that we find that society slowly but surely has moved away with statements like this and comments like this, so much so that Job makes a statement in Job chapter 8, verse 13, he says this. And I find that people are surprised when they hear certain things, and that's because they don't read the Bible. And I'm not saying anyone in this room. I'm simply just saying the society as a whole. It says, such is the hopeless future of all who turn from God. The further we move from God, the more hopeless we become. But I also believe that the closer we move toward God, the more hopeful we are. I want to give you the top four things in which... Cause are the common cause of hopelessness. Let's see if they put them on the screen for us. The first one is you feel alone, abandoned. When you feel that way, that you feel hopeless because it's a long period of time in which you have been alone. Can I tell you that in Christ, you are never alone? See, so the hopelessness comes as we move away from God. We forget that God is present with us all the time, that he will never forsake us nor abandon us. So when you don't have human contact, immediately you assume that you are alone and hopelessness comes in. The next one is, life seems out of control. Anybody? Come on now. Don't leave me out here by myself. I don't want to do this alone. All right? It's never going to change. How many of us? find ourselves constantly saying that. It's never going to change. It's never going to change. It's never going to change. That's a sense of hopelessness. The next one. You don't see a purpose. The pain you have gone through in 2018, you see no purpose for it. And can I tell you that there is no purposeless pain in Christ Jesus? God is doing something in the midst of this agitation in your life, in this midst of rubbing you, in the midst of you losing a loved one or suffering financial or having a problem with your marriage. God is at work in the midst of everything that goes on. But if you don't know Jesus and you're moving away from God, your hopelessness increases. Last one. Grieving a loss. Ouch. Can I just be honest with you that I'm still grieving? And can I have permission to grieve? But it's not hopelessness for me. There is a hope that I have because of the promises made to me by my Lord and Savior. I still grieve my little sister. I grieve her because I was powerless. A guy like me likes to fix things. And I couldn't fix her. The cancer ravished her, and I couldn't do anything about it. And I found myself in a position where either I was going to trust God and his promises that I would see her again, or I would find my strength at the bottom of a bottle of wild turkey or Jack Daniels. Come on now. You guys ain't preaching with me, are you? It's because I'm sitting right next to you. I'm not preaching to anybody. I'm preaching to myself. Because even as a follower of Jesus Christ, there are moments in which I have to preach to myself. I, I have to be able to preach to myself and remind myself that this is what I'm giving you, but I need it to. Amen? Amen. And many people define hope as a psychological term, and they shouldn't. It should be defined as a theological term. Because hope is not a thing or an idea. Hope is a person. And when you describe it as a psychological term, you use words like optimism. Now, I take an optimist over a pessimist any single day. But an optimist is never in touch with reality. An optimist, you can cut off your arm and you're bleeding, and they say, hey, it's not that bad. (laughs) It's bad. Whatever happens to us in moments, it's bad. I I can't think it away. I can't push it away. I can't color it away. I I can't say it didn't happen. But because hope is a person, I say it's bad, but I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe because hope is a person, so therefore I'm going to believe in that person that is faithful to their promises. Amen? Amen. So when I begin to look forward into 2019, I'm going to look forward by looking backward. And what I mean by that It's 2018 was rough, but you're still here. How come? Come on now, how come? Because you held on. You had hope. Your hope was in the person of Jesus Christ, not in the person sitting next to you or that guy who said, I'll be with you forever and then left. I'm I'm talking about the guys, but girls, you you do that too, don't you? All right. Ain't nothing going on but the rent, right? You ain't got me, you can't, right? Come on now. But think about that. The hope that we have is not an idea. It's not psychologicalized by saying it's optimism. No, this, our hope is in the person by the name of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ did something. Because he walked past that veil into the holy of holies. He gave us a living hope. Amen? I want to read a scripture. It's found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16 through 20. And this is where we're going to camp out the rest of my talk. I'm out of time because I don't want to get caught talking while the ball drops, okay? So you, got, you guys remind me. Hey, you got two minutes. Get out of here. Okay, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16, um, verses 16 to 20 says, When anyone wants to settle an argument, they make a vow by using the name of someone or something greater than themselves. So when God wanted to prove for certain that his promise to his people could not be broken, he made a vow. God cannot tell lies. And so his promises and vows are two things that can never be changed. We run to God for what? Come on, say it out loud. Safety. Safety. God is our refuge. He's our refuge. When you find yourselves in a situation where chaos is coming around you, listen, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Don't let anything hinder you. Run to Jesus. Don't take an offer for someone to take care of you. No, I've got to run to Jesus. Amen? Amen? Now, his promises should greatly encourage us to take hold of the hope that is right in front of us. And do we realize that God is always present? In the person of Jesus Christ, he is always with us. And this hope is like a firm, somebody say Firm. firm. And steady, somebody stay steady, Steady. anchor for our souls. In fact, hope reaches behind the curtain and into the most holy place. Jesus has gone there ahead of us, and he is our high priest forever. You won't understand that unless you understand that Jesus walked into a sacrificial system in which a lamb was offered up regularly. And the priest, the high priest, would enter this place that was exclusively set up for the high priest. There was this veil that separated us, us, from God. And the only one that could be the mediator between God and man was this high priest. Sounds familiar? Come on now. Jesus on the cross, it says that when Jesus said it was finished, that the veil that separated us from God was torn. And once and for all, Jesus entered into this place so that you and I can enter also. That is the hope we had. It's not an idea. It's not about being optimist. It's not wishful hope. This is a certain hope that we have in the high priest, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? The word, three words I want to focus on. One is firm, which means strong. Our hope is strong. It's not flabby. it's strong. It's all so steady. You ever know anybody that in the midst of everything that's going on, they're just steady? They don't go crazy. Ah, everything's going on. They're just steady. I remember a scene in the Bible where everybody was going crazy because the storm was hitting this boat. And they were going crazy, wondering, hey, what's going on? And, and they look at Jesus and what Jesus is doing. <laughs> right? He was just laying there chilling. Why? Because he knew something they didn't know. And you need to know something that he knows. That he calms the storm. Yes. He can speak into the storm of your life and bring it steady. Yes. That's right. I, I, don't, I don't know if you listen to that. I don't know if you listening to that. 2019, there's going to be some storms. Like I ain't promising you a rose garden here. That's not what I'm doing. Right? I, I, I'm saying that 2018... We said it was going to be great, and I don't know about you, but there were some awful moments there. So so we're not selling you a car here. We're selling you reality. We're in touch with with things that can happen. But as believers, because we have this hope. Listen, if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ, the very reason you're in this room is so that you can say yes to Jesus. We're not setting you up. We're just letting you know it's going to get bad. There's going to be moments in 2019 where it's going to get bad. You thought 2018 was bad. It's going to get bad. But here's what the theological term allows me to do. It's going to get bad, but I'm still going to believe. I may lose someone. My finances may be there. My health may not be there. I may struggle in areas of my life, but I have to believe. If I don't believe, then what do I have? In fact, the apostles suddenly, as Jesus began to have these hard sayings, because he has these hard sayings, right? Like when we stand up here and preach to you and tell you that God says, stop doing that, you're like, eh, I don't know if he means that for me. I think it's for the person next to me. No, it's for you. It's for you. You're not exempt from the word of God. When God is speaking, he's speaking to all of us. And, and when the apostles began to experience that and the people that were around them, because people were gathering around Jesus for what they can get, not what he was. They began to follow him for the bread and the fishes. They saw that miracle and said, we hang out with this guy. We're going to eat forever. <laughs> he began to say some hard sayings. He started saying, walk that extra mile. He started saying, turn that other cheek. He started saying, feed the hungry. He started saying, give everything up and follow me. And everybody was like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm not going to follow this guy no more. When the apostles turned to leave, he says, where are you going? And he says, know, where are you going to go if you have words of life? So my hope is in this person, Jesus Christ. And because of that, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Because here, let me tell you something. If you're in Christ and you've been coming around, let's say we're in recovery and we're clean and we stop drinking we stop doing this. Let me tell you something. The fact that you're here, the fact that you're now in this camp, the enemy wants you to go back. Because he's going to do a number on you. He, listen to me. If you leave with anything here, don't go back. Stay here. Learn more about it. Keep coming back. Gratitude. Obsession is lifted. till the miracle happens, just wait. Wait on God like the song. I'll stand. I'm going to offer my heart completely to you and I'm going to wait. Why? Because God is in the miracle-making business. Yes. He'll take your mess to show everybody else what he's capable of doing. Amen. Think about that. He takes the foolish things of this world, the dumbfound the wise. Think about the men that stand before you regularly preaching the gospel. We're a hot mess now. Imagine before. Imagine before. Jesus did that. Jesus is doing that. And Jesus will do it with you as you surrender and yield. But our hope is not an idea. It's in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. So when you find yourself waddling and going through all kinds of stuff, Jesus Christ will steady. He's strong. You're weak, but he's strong. And when you find yourself weak, then you have to turn to someone who's stronger. Listen to me. When I grew up, you know, we always had the bully on the block. And the bully on the block only gets beat up by someone who's stronger than they are. And the enemy is the bully on the block. And he continues to poke and prod and continue to challenge you and tell you, nah, you're not a believer. Look what you just did. Look what you just did. There's someone always accusing you. But my hope is in Jesus Christ. And here's what I know. And please hold on to this. God has started a work in you, and he is not done. He is not done. If you stay the course, if you allow yourself to be chipped here and chipped there, you're going to come out of it a lot better than you went in. You're always going to get the best of this deal. Amen? Amen. The last part is a part that I want to focus on a little bit more. It's called the anchor for our souls. There are two purposes that an anchor is on a boat or a ship. The first one is to keep the ship, the ship from drifting. Everybody hear that? You got to put your spiritual caps on, right? You're a ship. You're a ship. The reason for an anchor is to avoid you from drifting. The next one is to add stability in the midst of a storm. These are the very two things that you and I need. Our hope, Jesus Christ, is an anchor for our soul. When you start to drift, when your thoughts start to run on this good idea, not a God idea, a good idea, when you start to drift, it is Jesus Christ and who he is and the promises that he has made to you that will draw you back. I want to be honest. 2018, March, I wanted to quit. June came around, I, I wanted to quit more. I began to intensify. When I mean quit, I mean everything. Home, ministry, work. I had pictures of myself completely naked, running down the street crazy. I'm the only one, right? Did you? <laughs> you guys are horrible, man. Right? Think about that. Headline. Pastor running down the street. Right? Like, like that's, that's the level of uncertainty and craziness that was just swirling in my life. It was it was the ship that was just being bombarded regularly. And God reminded me. You're drifting. You're losing focus. Your affections are going somewhere else. It's not about what you want. Does everybody understand this? Cuz when we start to drift, it becomes all about you and not about Jesus. If Jesus is our hope, it's all about Jesus. And what begins to happen, we get these good ideas, but they're not God ideas. You know the good idea you just got last year about starting this and doing that and going here and going there. How did that turn out for you? Not very good. You know why? It's the same thing with your New Year's resolutions. They are done on a whim. There is nothing foundational for it to stand on. It's you trying to look pretty. That's why you want to lose weight. And that's why we say in January you want to lose weight because the summer comes around and you want to fit into that two-piece that you should not be wearing anyway. Come on now. I got one amen. (laughs) Guys, (laughs) think about that for a moment. Jesus is the anchor for your soul. When you find yourself in your relationship and you're fighting and you're arguing, right, because someone doesn't get their way, you start to drift. You lose the focus. The focus is not about you being happy. It's about holiness. It's not about you being right. It's about you being together. And when you lose sight as husband and wife, when you lose sight in your relationships, and you realize even in relationships with the friends you have, normally we fight because we don't get our way. And we're not willing to succumb to one another. We just want our way, and we act like big kids and we fight over stuff. We got no business. We lose focus. We drift. The anger for my soul, Jesus reminds me, you didn't die on the cross. I did. Yes. Come on. You can't do it all. I can't. And I have. And you think that you've gotten to where you've gotten to because you've done something. Meanwhile, I'm doing it all. I've made a way where there's no way. If it was up to us, we'd be all destined to be somewhere that was very hot, very troublesome. But he showed up and said, I'll do it. That's the gospel. When you allow the gospel to come into your life on a regular basis, listen, in light of eternity, in light of what matters, listen to me, I don't want to fight anymore. You shouldn't either. You know who referees our fights? Satan. He doesn't care who wins. He just cares that you're not focused on what you're supposed to be doing. And what matters most is not you. It is what he is doing through you and for you in the midst of your chaos so that the world can see that God is alive and well and that he, in the midst of chaos, brings order. In the midst of storm, he quiets those storms. We drift when we lose sight of these things. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. And this anchor to our soul just steadies us. The other part is this whole idea of this stability. When you start wobbling <laughs> and, you're not, and you're not drunk, <laughs> Right? When you start wanting, what I mean by that is when you start saying yes to the things you should say no to. And saying no to the things you should say yes to because when you say no to the things you're supposed to say yes to, it costs you something. And a lot of us don't like things that cost us. Going out of our way to help someone else. That's why Jesus said, walk that extra mile. You're obligated to give the person one mile. I want you to show them And you can walk that extra mile. This anchor for our soul studies us and reminds us of this. And I want to close with this. Our hope is not in what we feel, but in what has been revealed. We look into our future by looking backward. And pointing out moments where God showed up. Because you know what? You're still here and you're still here because he was with you then, and he will be with you there. Our hope is not a thing. It is a person, and that is the person of Jesus Christ.